What's up guys, this is Sean and welcome back to another episode of the Ehang Podcast And today we will answer a question from Facebook Which is very rare So this is from Mr. Lau Hi Sean, thank you for sharing with us so many tips about property and investment I am already 43 and I have previously invested in a condo which is next to LRT for rental Found it hard to find tenants and get good rental Even rented to Aeon expat staffs before but they asked for so many new items which I provided once they signed a one-year tenancy agreement They rented two months and then wanted to cancel the tenancy agreement without any compensation After that, I felt that this was not a good investment anymore and sold off the property. Question, at 43, is it too late to build up a property portfolio? How do you make money from property investment? Do you collect rental yourself or engage a property agent slash agency? How do we determine how much should we spend for renovation? Do you not encounter people that don't pay or trash your unit or make you lose money? What price point of property do you aim for that is easiest to rent out? Which area would you recommend now? Must it be near LRT or MRT? Thank you very much. Wow. <laughs> so this is like a quick fire kind of situation. So let's first address the experience that Mr. Lau went. So he just mentioned that he has a property next to an LRT for rental and he struggles to find tenants. But he did not mention where. Because I have checked with some friends that is staying in Kajang, also some audience, right? Whenever they stay in Kajang, yes, the LRT is there. But the car park to the station is not friendly. In order to get into the car park, even if there is for the train station to wait is a problem and the distance travel, right? Let's say from Kajang to their respective office is going to take them maybe one and a half hours of traveling. My as well, I drive. Plus, it's not that cheap anyway. So now instead of just driving my car, I need to pay for a train some more, for car park some more. Where they find leche because after work, you know, sometimes got entertainment, sometimes boss asks you go drink or go have dinner or go whatever. You cannot go and somehow in the culture that makes you lose out. So ultimately, having a car, it's still relatively more convenient if you can afford. So in this topic, right, we can talk about project A, B, C all have connection to LRT, right? Then the discussion is how many types of public transportation it's connected to, number one. The second thing is the distance away from the CBD. Like how many stations away and how long will it take? So that will be the next thing, right? Why a person who is willing to pay premium for rental already, why not I just stay one station away from the office, right? Because it's more expensive, so I have to stay a few more away. Plus, the third thing, whether is it a mixed development component where I have malls, I have commercial activities within the same project, so I don't have to drive out anymore. I can actually live without a car. Those are the differentiation between projects that are connected to MRTs. Because a pure comparison, right? A full residential project that's directly connected to the train station is going to be very different compared to a project, a mixed development where they have a mall, commercial, FMB, offices, and etc. that is also connected to the LRT. Both will fetch different rates and because one, whether or not you still need to have a car, the other one, it's actually optional. So part of Mr. Lau's experience is also they ran out to an expat and they want a lot of things furnished before they sign a one-year tenancy agreement. Then suddenly in two months' time, 
they want to cancel it and they don't want to pay compensation. A lot of things that are very blurred within this context because whenever they are agreeable to rent, it's pretty much confirmed that they need three plus one. So it's two months deposit plus half month utility then plus one month rental in advance. So this deposit is meant for cases like this. Because you didn't fulfill the contract period, you want to cancel the tenure early so it's your fault, not mine. I had the right to forfeit all this. And you cannot say you don't know because it's a contract that you sign. You are not a child. You're like, oh, I don't know. I signed only. Then I, they forced me to sign. Nobody is actually forcing you to sign in Malaysia's law. Then the next question is, most likely this agreement is not stamped. So in the eye of the legal perspective, it doesn't hold weight to certain people. Or even in the first place, you didn't collect deposit because you were desperate. I just want to rent it out. Oh, you got, cannot pay. Okay, lah. Part of the term of you signing that agreement is I fulfill whatever. You want cabinet, I give you. You want kitchen, I give you. You want this, I give you. You want lights, I give you. I give you everything as long as you sign. So you sign already. Now it's a fair term that is agreed. And this indicates the importance of having a tenancy agreement. Whether stamped or not is a separate thing, but it needs to be something agreeable. Don't like friend, friend, okay, you bank in money, I let you stay. Like personally, I used to do it myself, right? I prepare my own tenancy agreement, but in the market now, a lot of agents are charging exorbitant amount for it which is a template only. Actually, it's a PDF template. They're charging like 800, which is, oh, I don't understand. But to stamp it, yes, I can understand because that is paid to the government. And for investors, this is a very important step because with only the stamped tenancy agreement, you can declare this as part of your income. So you can afford for more loan for your next property. And the next thing is how scary a bad experience can be. Because of one tenant like that, you just give up on the entire investment altogether. If we just expand that a little bit, right, this is going to affect the entire family tree. I don't know whether you got kids or not, but let's say if a person with a bad experience having kids, right, and their kids suddenly want to invest in properties, you will share them this same story. And sooner or later, the entire family tree will not buy property ever again in their entire life. That's something that I want to change using this channel. Like a person with 25 properties is not going to just walk around and tell you how successful they are. And no knowledgeable property investors is going to just share you tips and tricks for free. Even if they do, they will have courses, they will dress up in suit and then they will make a business out of it. So here, please do me a favor, share this video out. If you have subscribed to me, that's great. If you have followed my work so far, you like it. So do share the channel with more people because I used to be the one that I cannot afford to go to courses because I got no money. Then nobody within the family is willing to teach because at 18, when you talk about properties or you talk about investment, no one's going to take you seriously unless they know that you have laid some foundation, you have done some level of research. Only they are agreeable to put in a little bit more effort in teaching you. So I hope this channel can actually bridge that a little bit. And hopefully also whatever that is discussed right here can be a dinner table conversation. So now kids and parents can actually talk about money, talk about investment, talk about property during dinner time because it was not like that. So now we will just continue with the rapid fire segment, right? So at 43, is it too late to build up a property portfolio? No. 
but it will be more challenging because of the loan tenure that you are eligible to. So at max, some banks take 65, some banks take 70. If you're getting a loan whenever you are older, the monthly installments will then be higher. It also means it's harder to find a property that can break even with that high installment amount. And that is a thing, right, where a lot of people don't talk about. Like I can still qualify for 35 years loan, which is the best thing of investing young. Also explains why I'm so bullish right now. Because in comparison to an elderly, let's say he's 55 right so at 55 you can only qualify for 15 years loan whatever property that is presented to you is going to be expensive because the monthly installment is just calculated differently and the worst thing is when you expect the monthly renter to be able to break even with the installment of 15 years loan tenure right it's going to be very very challenging to do so and that's going to be the challenge for you to build up your portfolio again the channel aims to help everyone to own like three properties right one for your own stay one for investment for cash flow purposes one just in case for medical emergency of your kid is a genius or there's nothing right you just splurge lah, go holiday or whatsoever lah. and when we talk about three it's not that difficult does it qualify as a portfolio or not in my books not really because it's not that hard to do Malaysia is still very beautiful in the sense where the banking system allows us to leverage 90% for our first two residential properties in a lot of countries there's no such facilities given already like to just own a property it's so challenging now our government even encourage people to buy get the scheme rumor pertama lah free MOT lah 100% loan lah they be your guarantor if your income not stable lah Wow. So it's not that challenging. Well, I foresee it's only going to be more challenging across time. The rich is going to be ultra rich. The poor is going to just... <sighs> yeah. How do you make money from property investment? Uh, there will be capital appreciation and there will be cash flow. And these are the common two approach. But the one that I use always is a very, very long approach of equity building. As long as the rental can cover the installment for this property after I get it, even if it's a sub-sale, right? I put in 10-15% upfront. It's equity built within the asset itself already. Then as long as every month is breaking even, in 20-30 years later, I will fully own the property. And that is my game. So across 10 years, 20 years, I can refinance the property whenever there's a capital appreciation to the value. Then I will dig into the equity, take it out and put in on my next purchase instead. And that's how I'm making money. If you're thinking about property flipping, buy, once it's completed, I can sell and I make a profit. Those days are long gone. And those are the activities that are highly focused by the government. So they're putting in a lot of cooling measures to actually curb all this. So the more common investment method right now is to focus on cash flow building. To buy a property where the renter can actually cover most of the installment, most of the money installment or even surpass the money installment if it's possible. So in that case, it will be determined on your access to deals in your experience, in your age, in your loan eligibility, and so many other things. Lah. Do I collect rental myself? For all my properties in KL region, I have this company called The Property Guys, TPG. Not, not I have, I engage them. So they are providing services to me. They are managing all my portfolio now. So I'll just put the link below. You guys can actually go check it out. How do we determine how much should we spend for reno? So again, I'm spot in this manner. I work in the makeover guys so to me there's no other options for me well this applies to high rises like apartments condo service apartment but if it's for landed if it's for own stay purposes then sky is the limit i have seen houses that is one million they put in three million in terms of renovation but it's their home they can afford it who am i to say right so to me what is the right amount for investment 
that's a market rate. So for a one bedder, it's around 25 to 28 on a normal basis. If you want a better kitchen cabinet and all, you have more bedrooms, that is around 45, 50, 55. Then it's for own stay, you want more built-in stuff, then maybe 80,000 for a three-bedroom unit. But if it's for a landed, right, once you include wet works, once you include the gate, once you include solar panel, once you include extension for your kitchen, toilet, redo, Oh, that one sky is the limit up to your affordability. That would be the answer. Do you not encounter people that don't pay or trash your unit? Not really though. Like those in the office, we kind of had this discussion before. Rare, very rare because most of the units are very well presented in the first place. Lah. So whenever you go to a very, very nice mall, you won't misbehave that much compared to you walking Pasar Malam, right? Actually, that's a very good term too. When, like, you think about it, why you, people can just throw rubbish at Pasar Malam because it's the road. But in a mall, you won't. In a hotel, you will behave more. When you walk too loud, also you will just slow down. Because the environment actually influences your mindset a little bit too. So we are fortunate enough, like personally myself, I have one tenant one where he relocated the aircon from the living room to the bedroom that's about it pay or no pay because it's agreed upon the tenancy agreement so whenever a tenant that is late we will send a warning letter already don't wait until six months already didn't pay there only a one lump sum catch him and ask him to pay for six months right do you think he purposely don't want to pay you may and why are you not chasing after he missed the first or second one already it means you are also not working as a landlord so if you are thinking Property investment as a passive income means lazy income. I just leave it there, don't need to do anything. That's a very, very wrong concept. Which price point of property I aim that is easier to rent out? I don't aim entry level, I aim location. So this is a, again, very relative answer. In Bangsa South, what is cheap? It's going to be different from what is considered cheap in Kajang, what is considered cheap in Rawang. So there's this concept called median where I learned from Far Capital. Every location will have its median price. For example, in Mong Kera, it's around 800 per square feet. So if you find a project that's around 700, which is around 10% below market, then it's a good deal. But it also depends on the rental that it can fetch. So many people will always want to go for, oh, a new project, new project, right? Most of the time, they set the new high for the median price of the location because they can always tell you four years later only you get your unit, right? And that explains why property prices keeps going up and up low, but there will still be a median. But does it mean buying the lowest is the best? Not really also. For example, in Kota Damansara, Tropicana Gardens is one of the highest in terms of price per square feet, but it's doing really well in terms of investment. You still have the strand and others, although they are cheaper, but nobody wants also no point. So the answer to your question, price point is determined by the area. So for each location, you need to pay attention to what is the median price for that location itself. Which area would you recommend and must it be near MRT or LRT? So MRT, LRT adds another reason of why tenants would want to rent from you. Ultimately, a lot of people like a particular location for convenience sake. And because of convenience, they are willing to pay more premium. Why everybody wants to stay within the CBD because it's convenient. I go to work also easier. I send my kid to school also easy. I go shopping, I buy stuff. It's just easier. Of course, I can use the same amount of money and I move into a kampong and anything I need, I need to travel out an hour, two hours. 
not for me. Lo. So the demand for spaces like that then will be different compared to the city. But it's not a for sure thing. Again, we just spoke about the distance from the project to the CBD also. Like let's say, if I take the train from your project to the city, it takes me one and a half hours so I drive. So people will actually drive. And for a luxury project that is connected to MRT also doesn't make sense. Right? Then which area again is up to the area that you are familiar with. And I would think that that is a better place to start. I can tell you Mong Kiara, I can tell you Bangsa South, I can tell you Ambang, I can tell you Cheras, I can tell you PJ. But what's the point in telling you all this, right? Everybody knows. Like for real, everybody knows where is the popular place. But which project then it's up to your affordability. So here I would actually recommend you to check the Sean 4 basic steps first. So again, I'll just put the link somewhere here. Then you can actually just click and check it out. And I guess that's all for this episode. Kind of fun. So thank you very much for the questions. And for you guys who still have more questions, do send me an email at t-a-n-i-h-e-r-n-g at gmail.com t-a-n-i-h-e-r-n-g at gmail.com You can just DM me on Instagram. Thank you very much and see you guys on the next one. Ciao.